Welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series, which can be heard on VHHA.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get podcasts. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, and the Family Podcast Network. And we're on the radio each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, 107.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia and 1650 a.m. in Hampton Roads and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. That's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. I'm Selena Lorith, VHHA, and today we're excited to be joined by Dr. Raymond Chung, an orthopedic surgeon with Mary Washington Healthcare, for a conversation about his recently published children's book, his innovation work on surgical instruments, and more. With that, welcome to the program, Dr. Chung. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you uh, so much for having me, Ms. Lore. Appreciate it. We're excited to have you. So let's start on a philosophical note. Based on the research for this recording, you seem to be brimming with innate curiosity. With that in mind, I'd like to read an excerpt from a physician essay in the Journal of the Association of American Medical Colleges. Here's the quote. I've always acknowledged the power of art as an expressive outlet for healing. Medical school has only confirmed my belief that art is medicine and medicine is art. What's your reaction to that concept as it relates to your own outlets for expression? Well, that's an interesting uh, quote, and actually something very similar to that uh, was the focus of a new section in the American Academy of Orthopedics Journal. So they actually have a submission section now for uh, original art. Now, unfortunately, the children's book didn't qualify for that. But I think that actually is a, a aspect of medicine as an art and science uh, that also in, is intriguing to individuals who go into medicine because they're creative folks. So I think um, that was an area that the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons also uh, looked at and they said, you know, people, particularly physicians, are creative folks and have other avenues in which to express that. So they actually were trying to solicit folks to submit original art paintings, photography, that type of thing, but not children's books, unfortunately. The pandemic was harmful to many people and families. At the same time, it was also an opportunity for some people to explore new pursuits. In your case, you wrote a children's book dedicated to your rescue dog. The book is named Off to the Races with Mucka the Dingo, and it chronicles the fictional misadventures of a dog at a steeplechase event trying to find its way home. You published the book this year and have even done some book tour events to promote it. If you would, tell us the backstory of the book and your rescue dog and how things have progressed with the book now in print. Oh, great. Well, thank you. So basically, the story of Off to the Races with Mook the Dingo was actually started pre-pandemic, but really a lot of it uh, was uh, taken care of behind the scenes during the pandemic in terms of working with the illustrator, trying to get just the right look to the book and trying to really uh, enhance the story with what turns out to be very beautiful illustrations. The story of Mooka was that she used a rescue dog that my wife saw online, and she looked rather pathetic at the time. And so she said, look at this poor puppy needs a home. So uh, we went to adopt her. Uh, the organization had rescued her from North Carolina, and she was billed as being a Jack Russell Dachshund mix. And we're like, well, that's kind of a peculiar mix, but okay. So we adopted her. And as it turns out, one of my uh, college buddies lives in North Carolina. He came up to visit, and the second he saw her, he said, you have yourselves a dingo. And we're like, what? So we thought dingoes were kind of indigenous dogs in Australia. But as it turns out, there are American dingoes, also known as Carolina dogs, 
that are a basically wild species of dogs that live in pretty much the American Southeast. And so they developed independently of domestic breeds. So they were thought to have perhaps come over across the land bridge from Asia back tens of thousands of years ago and had settled in that particular area. So when we found this out, we were like a dingo, huh? So at that time, the genetic tests for dogs did not include the Carolina dog as one of the species that would be detected. But we sent the DNA sample in, and it came back with no domestic breeds for three generations. So I think that pretty much confirmed that she was actually a wild animal, not a Jack Russell and Toxin mix. So the backstory is that, you know, Mooka was inadvertently transported to a local hunt race. So hunt race, for those who don't know, doesn't actually involve hunting. It's a steeplechase or horse race that's conducted across a distance, includes hurdles, in this case, uh, live brush jumps. And so there's a local hunt race. And what would happen if Mooka accidentally ended up at the hunt race? So that's kind of the backstory of the uh, book. So fortunately, at the time, there is a regional publisher down in Richmond that was looking for Virginia-based stories. So put two and two together, and hey, um, this was a very good fit for what they were looking for, so we were able to proceed with the project. And again, I mentioned the illustrations. The illustrator is Emily Hurst Pritchett, and she's out of Boston, but she's a phenomenal artist and illustrator. So we were fortunate enough that she was, timing-wise, able to really help out on the book. And so uh, those who've seen the book, or I would encourage folks that they haven't seen it, take a look. Our illustrations are really great. They're, I think, really, uh, not to knock the other books, but a step above because, you know, you can see her development of the illustrations from early you know, sketches all the way through to colorization. So this is not just something generated quickly on a computer. There's a lot of work that went in behind it, and I think it really shows in the artwork. So the book was actually launched this April, and part of the launch, we've been doing different signing events and reading. So mostly uh, we in an area about an hour and a half uh, distance uh, from Culpeper, where I actually live. So we've been out to up to Vienna, Virginia, and out to Stanton. Uh, we had uh, one recently in Chesterfield down there. And uh, this coming weekend, I'll actually be at the Barnes & Noble out in Harrisonburg for a, a, a reading and signing. So, so I think it's a great way to get out and meet children and answer questions about the book and talk about people's dogs and and educate people about dingoes. And so it's just been a really fun experience, something totally out of my normal wheelhouse of medicine. So it's kind of a long-winded answer. No, thank you so much for providing that background. In addition, I wanted to ask, being a children's author is a different style of writing than, say, a scholarly article or research project for a peer-reviewed scientific journal. So I'd like to ask, what kind of enjoyment do you get from this more lighthearted form of composition? And do you plan to produce more writing of that style? So I do have about another 18 books in collection uh, featuring uh, Mooka and uh, her brothers, uh, Bentley and Jesse. And basically, I'm, I'm trying to give a different perspective on things. Basically, I chose to live in Culpeper, so kind of a more rural setting, which I really enjoy. And so I don't think that type of lifestyle is represented in, in children's literature, particularly in picture books. So I'm trying to give kids, uh, particularly those who may live in the big cities, just a little glimpse of what you know, other people are doing, life in the country, and 
you know, just good, lighthearted books featuring dogs. So something maybe a little bit different than the prevailing theme. So I think that's, and that was kind of my goal with doing that. So hopefully we will have some more published in, in the near future. Do you wish you could focus on practicing medicine without all the distractions? Covaris is here to help. As a leader in medical professional liability insurance with more than 45 years experience, Covaris provides insurance protection with data-driven predictive modeling to help you mitigate the risk of claims. By combining insurance protection with risk analytic services, you can reduce distractions and focus on improving clinical, operational, and financial outcomes. Covaris is reinventing what you should expect from your medical professional liability provider. Find out all Covaris can offer you at Covaris.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-Y-S.com. Insurance products issued by Medical Professional Mutual Insurance Company and its insurance subsidiaries, Boston, Massachusetts. When you're not involved with pros, your day job is as an orthopedic surgeon. For people listening, tell us a bit about what you do and the type of conditions you're involved in treating. Yeah, so when I'm not tinkering with uh, writing children's books or coming up with other projects, I do orthopedic surgery with a subspecialty in hand surgery. So I just now do uh, basically upper extremity surgery, and I've developed more of a boutique-type practice where I do predominantly just outpatient surgery. So the conditions I treat are uh, most basically uh, the most common one would be, for example, carpal tunnel syndrome and trigger fingers. We do a fair amount of uh, wrist fracture surgery, other fractures about the hand and wrist. So that's what I really do on a day-to-day basis to fund my children's book writing. So I've referenced your curiosity before, and it seems it extends beyond writing. And like you mentioned, as I understand it, you actually developed innovations to enhance several existing surgical instruments. Those upgraded tools are now produced by a medical equipment company in Georgia and are available for other surgeons to use. So if you would, could you tell us about that process and give us an example about how one of those tools might be used during surgery? Yeah, that's great. I'd really like to talk about that as well, particularly in this venue. So it all started with me doing a case in, shall we say, larger individual in which the traditional Wheatlander retractor was just not working very well. So we were doing a wrist fracture and a fairly thick wrist, and the retractor kept popping out. So I'd have to keep repositioning it. So in a bit of frustration, I said, well, give me the deep Wheatlander retractor to which the scrub and circulator says, we don't have one. And so that just gave me the idea, why don't we have one? So it just started from there. So I talked to um, the company down in Georgia, which is called Inamed, and talked with the president of the company. And they're, they, they, what they do is they're very uh, receptive to talking with surgeons and about uh, coming up with new products. So it seemed like very basic at the time, but why don't we have a Wheatlander retractor with longer prongs so we can retract a little bit better? So I, I, this is just one of these things that seems so simple that why hadn't anyone else done it? So that started from there, and then we have uh, several variations of that. So uh, it comes into play where you might want better retraction in a smaller hole. So that helps with minimally invasive type of surgery. So it's not just applicable to the hand, but also people use it in the foot, and uh, even one of the breast surgeons will use it. So it's, it's I think it's just a handy tool to uh, add to the retraction armamentarium. So I think that was one that was... Just it seemed to me just so incredible that no one else had actually come up with one. Another invention, I guess you could say, or modification 
actually was inspired by some of my, how shall we say it gently, more senior uh, nurses in the OR. So uh, it's kind of a funny story, but when we would do some CMC surgeries, some CMC arthroplasties, uh, they would be uh, retracting using the traditional Sen retractors, which involves you know, holding it with a tip pinch type of activity. And that same tip pinch activity is what gets people into trouble with their thumb carpal metacarpal arthritis to begin with. So some of these, shall we say, more seasoned nurses would complain that they would need the same procedure after retracting and helping me out doing the surgeries on these patients with the same condition. So as they say, I guess necessity is the mother of invention. So to hopefully prolong the working life of some of our, our wonderful nurses in the OR, I said, well, why don't we just make a retractor, the same retractor, but just make it so you could use your fingers to hold it as opposed to having to use a tip pinch. So we made a T-handled retractor so that the nurses don't have to pinch. They can just grab it with using their fingers to hold it. So that was another one that I think initially took a little time to get it to be more popular, but I think news is spreading about this, and I think it has helped some of the folks in the OR with their ability to hold on to these tiny instruments for longer periods. So I think that was one where I would say I was inspired by the staff. For listeners who are interested, Off to the Races with Muka, the Dingo, is available from most major online retailers. And before we go, it's a tradition on the Patients Come First podcast to ask guests a pair of personal questions as a fun way to close things out. To keep it interesting, we've got a list of 10 mystery questions for you to choose from. So please pick two numbers between 1 and 10, and I'll ask you the corresponding questions. Okay, uh, let's go with three. All right, number three. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received, and why does it stick with you? Hmm, best piece of advice I've ever received. Huh, that's a tough one. I've received a lot of good advice over my life. Well, best piece of advice. That one is almost too difficult to answer because there's so many possibilities for that. But I would say just try your best and that your families will still love you regardless. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, that's just, it seems really basic. It's not really advice, but I think sometimes folks will just get kind of too wrapped up in things. And that's one of, I think, the lessons in the MUCA book is that sometimes it's okay to ask for help. So I think, especially in healthcare these days, you know, there's a lot of stress, a lot of self-doubt. But uh, I think sometimes that just knowing that, uh, you know, all you can do is do your best and be prepared to do your best. And at the end of the day, you still have your family and (laughs) still have your dogs. And do you want to pick one more number? Okay, after that first one, I'm not so sure I do. (laughs) Let's try lucky number seven then, see if we can make up for it. Awesome. Number seven, you could choose one superpower to have or any one skill to instantly master. What would it be and why? Hmm, superpower. I would say time travel. And I think that way I could maybe go back and uh, maybe change a few things in my personal life. Maybe go back and buy some Apple and Google stock. No, I'm I'm kidding (laughs) on that one. Uh, But then maybe getting to spend a few, uh, a little bit more time with Muka and my other fur babies that have crossed the Rainbow Bridge. Um, Actually, today marks the eighth year anniversary of my uh, first dog as an adult. Uh, His name was Scooter. So today's the eighth year of his crossing of the Rainbow Bridge. So I think it wouldn't have been nice to spend a little bit more time with it. Yeah. 
And that brings us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. And we want to once again thank our guest, Dr. Raymond Chung, for joining us today. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.